Hello, I'm Lisa Smazarski, Editor-in-Chief of Stylist, and welcome to Stylist Live Sessions, our series of inspiring talks and thought-provoking conversations recorded live at our annual festival of inspiration. In this episode, you're going to hear from the one show's Alex Jones, and she's in conversation with our magazine editor, Alex Walker. Alex joined us at Stylist Live to discuss her new TV show on W, Alex Jones, Making Babies. And as part of that, she shared her biggest life lessons from her own candid experience of fertility challenges and starting a family, as well as her thoughts on friendship, failure, imposter syndrome, and that interview with Theresa May. As this session is recorded live at the Truman Brewery, you might hear a bit of background noise and a word of warning. We do discuss issues on the challenges of conception, fertility and miscarriage. I'm going to hand over now to Alex Walker to introduce Alex Jones. I can't think of many celebrities who would carve time out of their day job to become a fertility assistant guiding people through the incredibly emotional journey of trying to have a baby, counting embryos and conducting ultrasounds. But that's just what broadcaster Alex Jones does in her emotional new docuseries, Alex Jones Making Babies. Coming in January 2023 to W and UK TV Play. She spent six months working at King's College Hospital in London to steer people through an incredibly high-stakes moment in their lives. With over two decades of presenting experience to her name, including more than 10 on the one show, the broadcaster is one of the most famous faces on TV, as at ease filming at Buckingham Palace as comforting couples longing for a baby. And today, she's going to share with us what she's learned along the way and what she's still making up as she goes along. Please join me in welcoming Alex to the stage. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for such a lovely introduction, Alex. You're very welcome. And thanks, all of you, for sitting down to have a listen. It's really lovely to be here. I love this magazine, so I'm really, really excited oh, to be thank here. Thank you. Thank you. It's we, ace, isn't we, it? <laughs> yeah. Working on making babies must yes. have been an incredibly emotional Oh, my experience. goodness. So I guess you saw a little bit of it there. A little, yeah. And it's 10 parts, so it's 10 hours, essentially, of following people, couples, individuals, who are struggling with fertility. So it's a lot of IVF, but egg donation, mm. egg freezing. We meet men. Because, yeah. you know, we don't talk really about men's fertility issues. And so I wanted to do a series where I wasn't going in as a presenter or a broadcaster I wanted to really get under the skin of something Mm -hmm. and actually it was the guy my boss at King's who said you know the only way to do this is to for you to train to be a fertility assistant I was like okay (laughs) sounds quite full-on but actually it was the best way because then I was just you know I could really understand the process Mm -hmm. you could get close to the patients But I think the main thing is hats off to all those couples and individuals who let us film them. You know, we've all been for a smear or a, you know, some of us for a scan. And God, it's a lot, isn't it, of a television crew there. But these people felt really strong that actually the only way we're going to lift the lid on fertility and the issues that, you know, plague one in seven couples in the Mm. UK is by 
shining a light on it. And that's the only way is mm -hmm. to get, you know, to be able to follow these people. So it was a real privilege to be part of the series. Mm -hmm. And what did it teach you, you know, sharing that really vulnerable time with couples? Gosh. Do you know what? Um, I did, you know, all the kind of medical stuff. So I had to, you know, learn how to take blood, learn how to do observations. I know. Yeah. I was practicing for ages on cooked spaghetti because that's the closest thing to a vein, apparently. Um, but I guess what it really taught me is how to be a really great human mm. because all these people, fertility assistant, nurses, doctors, they are the best, the best, you know? Yeah. The, the kindness they show their patients, the amount of support, empathy, warmth, all those things that I guess we take for granted when we look at our NHS. Mm -hmm. But that is really, they are a shining example of mm -hmm. just brilliant people. Yeah. And that's what I really took away from it. Yeah. Sharing that moment that, mo that they'll remember forever. Yeah. Um, and they do that every day. That's just what they go to work to do. Yeah. It's impressive. And do you think, obviously, spending so much time with those couples, that we as a society do enough to understand and talk about infertility and fertility struggles? No. So years ago, I made a documentary for the BBC, and that was in 2016. And still, these days, people ask, where can I watch that program? Mm -hmm. And not because it was particularly good, but because it was the only one. You know, nobody really, for some reason, right, we talk about alcoholism, we talk yeah. about mental health, we talk about everything. Nothing is kind of off limits these days. But for some reason, creating life and having babies is still not really talked about, mm -hmm. which I thought was mad. And I mean, let's, let's get to it straight away and, you know, share things. But we didn't, <laughs> we didn't really have a very straightforward time conceiving our little boy kit. We had mm -hmm. an absolute shocker, to be honest. It was a nightmare. And so we haven't been through IVF, but... What you go through as a woman, as part of a partnership, as a couple, it's so horrific, but yet nobody talks about it. I went back to work after finding out that, you know, we went for a scan and going for a scan is really exciting. Yeah. But when we got there, we found that, a, that our 15-week baby didn't have a heartbeat. And I went straight to work because oh. I, d what, you know, I just thought, well... Well, there you are then. And I'll, you know, I mean, I felt devastated, I but I just, I just went to work because yeah. I didn't know what else to do. Mm. And it was what they call a missed miscarriage. So I, I hadn't realized until we went to the scan and it was just horrific. And I thought, you know, people, we need to be talking about this because in the workplace, a lot of, you know, we talk about being a working mother. Every interview I do, we talk about being a working mother, which is great but nobody ever talks about those people who want to be a working mother mm. or a working father, but, but can't be. So I just felt, my gosh, there's, a, there's an opportunity here to do a 10-part series on this. So let's go. You dive in. I think it's true because, you, you know, even your experience, if you don't have a template of how other people have behaved in that situation, you don't know. You're like, okay, well, I just go back to work. But if people talk about it, they understand that you maybe need counselling after a situation like that. 
then it shows you that that's, you know, what you can do too, because otherwise... Absolutely. Well, W shows a brilliant documentary, um, Myling Class made it, about miscarriage. Yeah. Yeah. And that was mega. I mean, nothing like that had been on. We're only starting to talk about the flipping menopause. And by the way, since, you know, women landed on the planet, they've been going through it. But yeah. for some reason, these issues that affect us all just haven't been things that have been put out there mm. for some reason. So we're changing it now. We're changing it. We're changing it. And have you learned anything about how you think that we should talk to our friends or even in society more to support friends who might be going through Well, idea? I think the key learning, I suppose, is that we have to be kinder to each other. You yeah. know, you never know what's going on during somebody's life. And some people choose not to have children some people yearn to have children and there's those people in the middle who are not sure but the point is everybody is going through something mm -hmm. privately and yeah. I think we're too quick still even though we talk a good game I think we are yeah. still too quick to judge and to criticize and actually you just don't know so kindness kind. support empathy all the time in an interview recently, you said, between the ages of 18 and 30, I wrote so many letters to various people who ultimately turned me down. How did you stay motivated during that period? How did you stop what might have felt like failure into drive? Well, yes, I was some sort of stalker. <laughs> and I wrote lots of letters to people who still work at the BBC. And I sometimes say, I wrote you a letter you didn't answer. <laughs> One day, I posted 27 letters. And this was in my early 20s. Yeah. And at the time, I was doing a lot of temping. I was working in a call center. I used to work for British Gas. Does anybody work for British Gas? Good. <laughs> Horrific. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... And then I think the day came when I posted all those letters, when I was dressed as a dolphin, bear with me, to promote dolphin-friendly tuna. <laughs> I used to do a lot of kind of promo work. Oh, so see. did I. You're so there. Giant teddy bear handing out yeah. pom bear crisps. Yeah, yeah. so exactly. So yep. weekends were spent in the foyers of supermarkets, yep. etc. Yep. And I was just desperate really not to do that <laughs> forever that's how I started in magazines see the low point and yeah. there you go yeah. and so I just wrote all these letters and didn't get any replies barely and did lots of screen tests and just never quite got the mm. job but actually I think being able to dust yourself off and start again is pretty much a superpower yeah and I and I just think every failure is you, you learn from it, don't you? It doesn't feel like that at the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, get depressed, have a glass of wine, maybe a bottle. And then the next day, though, so I give myself grace periods, and I still do this, but the next yeah. day, get back on it and try again. And, you know, I fall, and I think a lot of us, Welshies in particular, I mean, I can't talk for <laughs> other nations because I don't know, lots of Welshies here, I can recognise them. <laughs> Hiya! Um, but I think we've got this thing where we feel grateful all the time for everything. And I'm definitely one of those. And even now, you know, I, I think about what I do and I think, oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm so lucky. Oh, God, I'm so lucky. But then I think back and, you know, I did. You dressed work. as a tuna. I dressed as a tuna. <laughs> do you remember? But I worked really hard. And I think maybe it's a female thing as well. Yeah. We are 
we sort of our, I don't know, our natural setting is to be grateful and think, oh my God, I can't believe this is me now. But I think we all tend to forget the hard work we've yeah. put in, get in there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did write the letters and it does pay off. But at the end of the day, if you want, you know, if you want to do what you want to do, there is no shortcut, I don't think. Mm. You've, just got to, you've just got to put the work in, you've got ultimately, to work haven't you? You really do. Um, how has how you think about an ambition and success changed as you've gotten older and where you are in your career right now? What do you feel about? Well, success these days is getting dressed in the morning and leaving, <laughs> having not killed my husband or one of my children. So, you know, it changes, doesn't it? It changes. <laughs> But I think, you know, it does change organically as you get older. Mm -hmm. And it looks different for everybody. But success for me now is being able to find a balance. And I'm lucky to do a job I love. But sometimes I'm so... I still really want to please. So yeah. I still say yes to an awful lot of stuff. And, you know, that always comes at a cost, doesn't it, really? You know, you, th you feel, oh, it'll be fine, I'll just do this. And, yeah. But, you know, I'm barely there at pick-up. I mean, that's yeah. the truth because of the hours I work. And that's really hard. Yeah. So success to me these days is being able to balance it a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, and find ways to just be a good worker, but also... An okay mother. God, I'm so far from being good, but I, I try my best. But, you know, a good mother and a good wife. You know, poor Charlie, that's my husband. He'll be thrilled to have a mention in this chat. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be like, what are you doing? But, you know, he sometimes gets the worst of me because it's what's left at the end of the day, poor yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. And he's lovely, Charlie, you know? But, Aww. yeah, he is. But, you know, I think so success and ambition, they change, don't they? They do. And it used to be, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing to do a Saturday night show? Now I think, well, shit, that'll be another weekend then, though, won't yeah. it? And then I'll be out of the house all so, the yeah. time. Yeah. So, you know, I think you've got to re-look at what success and ambition means nearly on a monthly basis mm -hmm. and see where you are and see what fits around your work and your life as well, mm -hmm. you know? I totally, I feel exactly the same. You know, like... If we're just looking through the magazine then and we're looking at all the lovely places and trips that we could go to and I'm like I can't do those they I have to be at home in bed by 10 o'clock otherwise my life doesn't work anymore and so you enjoy those bits when you're younger and now as I've gotten older I've learned what success and what and works with my life exactly you know but when you go out now I tend to, and this is going to sound awful, but I tend to drink so quickly because I think yeah. I've got an hour window now. Yeah. So here we go. This is going to be fun for an hour. So, <laughs> so like in an hour, I'll be like, talking and throwing down the wine. And then I feel utterly terrible going home. But, but you know, it's, you enjoy that's what that it hour. is. It's like I don't give myself a lot of time for fun. But, you know, things evolve again when the children are older. It'll be a different thing. Yeah. Um, You've been married for seven years. Yeah, uh, seven years. It's what this was. Fine. <laughs> How I many? It's coming up to seven years. Yeah. Coming up to seven. Coming up to seven years. What have you learned about long-term relationships and maintaining long-term relationships in those seven years? Well, I guess what you know, what I'm reminded of a lot is you've made a commitment here, and there's no getting out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I trade you in? Mm, no. no. Um, I don't know. I think that the main thing is, 
You know, at the beginning, you really fancy each other, don't you? Well, you hope so. You really fancy each other, and it's all great, and, you know, but actually what you need is friendship. Yeah. And without friendship, you know, you're really done for, I think, aren't you? You need to be able to laugh, and you need to be able to be shouting at each other, and we, you know, we, we do that. And you've got to be able to, one of yours to break and start laughing, and then it's all right. Because, you know, all the, the attraction stuff, yeah, it's still dead important, but actually the main thing that is key is being able to understand each other and respect each other mm -hmm. as people. We've been through a bit of a challenging time of yeah. late, um, and I won't go into detail because it'll kill me, um, <laughs> but all fine, all fine. But, you know, it just reminds you that I, I'd hate to be without him because he's my best friend. And he's the one. You, today, he went, where are you going then? I said, to Stylist Live. And he went, what's that then? <laughs> I went, it's a magazine and there's like this live event. And he went, mm. you know those chocolates? And I thought, no. <laughs> and he went, you know, is it Quality Street, the one with the nuts in? He went, that's that suit, isn't it? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly, yeah. exactly what my husband would say to me. Um, as a parent, uh, I often think about all the things that I wish people had told me about the truth about being a parent, how much it hurts, how tired you are, um, before I became a mum. What truthful things do you wish you had been told? Well, I suppose the first thing that comes to mind is that when you first start, and I, this is the thing, I don't want to, there's loads of young women here, and I don't want to scare any of you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Breastfeeding, the first time, is like somebody sticking a hot needle through your nipple. Oh, it's natural. <laughs> it's natural. It's natural. It's not, it's, it bloody hurts. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think then, on the flip side of that, you know, everybody says, and you, oh my God, you don't even know what sleep deprivation is. You don't even know what busy is. Yeah, and it's all of that, plus some. But actually, it's been a bit of a full-on week this week, and I was in bed, because I'm a soft touch, surprise, and I let the kids sleep in our bed sometimes. We said we wouldn't, and here we are. And. You know, when you feel a bit anxious and you've got one each side and their legs are all over you and your hands are like this and one's in plastic cast and he keeps knocking me in the face with it at the minute. But actually, it really calms you, doesn't it? It just... Mm. <laughs> no? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Do you know what I mean? No? I do, I do. It just, I do. It gives you a bit of perspective and everything else that you were worried about, all the small yeah. stuff. And you're like, right, this is what's important yeah I think it's easier to see the wood from the trees in many I ways do, but yeah I definitely you can definitely that. prioritize easier yeah and also you know people they scare you don't they with birth stories <laughs> yes I mean it's not fine but it is fine do you know what I mean yeah. it's not fine <laughs> But you're, you're going to get to the point where it's going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time worrying about that, and it was a waste of time, because actually it's just inevitable. Yeah. Take this the drugs. is going to come out. <laughs> Take the drugs. Take the drugs.
drugs. <laughs> yeah, but I think they give you perspective, kids. And yeah, it's really hard work and all of that. And you expect it, and it is, and it's, it's more than you think it's going to be. But it's a lovely way of just getting, of prioritizing clarity. and just clarity. Yeah. So I think, yeah, get some. It's nice. <laughs> So much of your job is about engaging with people instantly. How have you learned is the easiest way to get connection? Well, there's a lot of lovely people that work in media, and there's some not. A few dickheads. Yeah. There's any industry. Yeah. But I think, you know, you, you, like you, you interview people and you learn quite quickly if somebody's on the same kind of wavelength as you quite quickly. Mm -hmm. There was a girl, and I'll always remember, and I won't say who she is, but you might guess. <gasps> but she is a pop star. Right. She is in a band, mm -hmm. and she's good at dancing, and I'm not going to say any more than that. But she any was ideas? all glammed up, and she was wearing sunglasses, right? And that's fine, <laughs> but... Our makeup rooms and stuff at the one show are in a basement, so it's quite dark. And you think, oh, what are you doing? Anyway, so she was walking through with sunglasses on, hot pants, looking amazing. Mm. I'm like in Weetabix stained, gross jumper jeans. I mean, I was going to change, but do you know what I mean? Sure. But this was during the day, and she'd just done a sound check. And I've interviewed this person lots and lots of times. Right. And she was coming the other way towards me, and I went, hiya. And she literally did this. Right? So I went, all right then. Then, on the sofa, when we were about to go live, she was chatty, lovely. She was like, oh, how are the children? Da, da, da. And I went, amazing. <laughs> I said, God, you weren't very chatty earlier, were you? Did you say? I did. <gasps> Good for and you. And this person said, I, I just didn't know it was you. And I thought, well, does it matter? Yeah. Does yeah. it matter if you knew? And I think that's quite a good lesson. You just, you know, be the same to everybody. And a lot of people aren't. And that I often watch people, how they are, not with me necessarily, as we're about to go into an interview mm -hmm. situation, but how they are with our runners and our cameramen yeah. and stuff. And you always get a good gauge because you've got to create relationships very yeah. quickly, haven't you? I mean, I remember being in a weird Christmas party, weird Christmas party. And they Shirley Bassey, Dame Shirley Bassey said, Alex, could you hold my dress while I had a pee? I was like, well, sorry. <laughs> I was like, all right then. Okay, because people pleaser. Okay, Shirley. And I went into the cubicle and held her dress like a bridesmaid while she I'll peed. Sure. Um, and fair enough, it's probably expensive and she didn't want it on, you know. Hmm. But I thought, what the hell are we going to chat about? It's awkward because <laughs> I'm towering over her as well and she's crouching, you know, and there's a big train. But 
I think if you're a people person, you find a way to... And you know what? Even Go on, what did you talk she about? She was in a very vulnerable <laughs> position. She was. But she was chatty, lovely, you know? Yeah. Like, it was as if we were just sitting on a sofa together. I mean, so I think it's, it's a real insight into people when you're interviewing, you know, sometimes big stars. Mm. And, yeah, I think you get the measure of people quite quickly in this job. Mm. <laughs> um, oh God, she's thinking. Oh, think, mm. I'm actually thinking who the um, pop star was. Oh, I'll work it any, out. Any idea? Don't any shut it out. Don't <laughs> shut it out. Uh, Rihanna puts oh. a. P- Not Rihanna. It wasn't Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna puts a P on her calendar on her personal days when she won't work. How good are you at taking time for yourself? Do you have boundaries around what you will and won't do and how you prioritise you? Well, Rihanna has got a ton of money, so Rihanna she can does. put peas on a lot of days, can't she? <laughs> I guess. Um, no, I'm not... This is the thing that I... You know, this is one of my big failures, I think. I yeah. don't really take time for myself. But, and I know... Oh, God, we hear all the time, don't we? You have to take time. You've got mm. to prioritise yourself. But... The reality is, how many of us do really, you know, and I'm all right with that at the minute, you yeah. know, luckily I've got a job I love and, you know, three young children and I just think that time will come at some point, mm-hmm. but I've worked really hard to be in the job I'm in and I still want to give it a hundred percent and try my best to be a good parent. So I just think, well, you know, I mean, maybe I should get some advice from Rihanna and what she's doing on these P days anyway. I think there's a lot of spa days involved. Yeah. A lot of lying on the beach in Barbados. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of bikini waxes, I a think. A lot of bikini waxes. Whereas I haven't even got time for that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> God, no. 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 <laughs> um, we're often afraid to admit that we don't know something. I don't know much about any sport. Pensions, money. Many, many things. Uh, What's something that you know absolutely nothing about? Oh, there's a massive list. Um, Because most of my job is blagging things, really. (laughs) Mine too. You know, I mean, we interview a lot of politicians, and we've interviewed the Prime Minister a couple of times. It was when Theresa May said that it's a boy's job to put the bins out. That was... That was a bad decision, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but I, you know, I don't know a load about politics. I mean, you know... How do you approach it then? Well, what I do before everything is prepare mm-hmm. insanely for interviews because yeah. I think, well, the mantra is, isn't it? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah. Pa- apparently. So if I'm going into something that I don't know a lot about, I'll just read and absorb and try and do the best I can but I think it's also good to admit and come at it you know from a perspective of, I don't know loads about this mm-hmm. you tell me mm-hmm. and I don't think they know a lot about politics either at the minute do they so we <laughs> clearly you know not I, mean? I think they, they need right. to take the prepare it's like the blind leading the blind isn't it <laughs> yeah. um we were just talking in there I don't know if everybody's noticed but there's an area here where you can write your wish for 2023 oh my god! there's been very very varied um wishes what's yours Wow, that's a question, isn't it? Is it already 2023? That's almost, the thing. Almost. Almost 2023. Okay, 2023. I want to be able to prioritise fun a bit yes. more. Yes. I because keep thinking I that. Because I think that is, that is something I don't do at yeah. all. 
I mean, I told you that drinking very quickly, <laughs> it's not, you know, but I think more fun in 2023. I was just looking through the magazine and thinking, oh, that's a nice place to go for yeah. a little weekend. I think more of that. Yeah. Which more. is quite a nice um, New Year's resolution, I think, isn't I it? I agree. Yeah. Um, last question. Uh, how important are your female friendships to you? Oh, and what have goodness. you learned from them? I've had the same friends since I was, some since I was in primary school, some since I was in, you know, secondary school, and then a group of girls from uni. And I've lived in London for 12 years, maybe, and I love it. And people say, God, do you miss Wales? And of course, and when there's, you know, a gap, we often run to Pembrokeshire, to the beaches or whatever, but actually home is about the people as well. And, yeah. and the children are all being born here, so London does very much feel like home as well. But there's nothing like, and it doesn't matter where, I mean, there's nothing like a night with the girls. They are everything to me. I, I rely on them for a reality check, mm -hmm. for support, for marital counselling, for, you know, just everything and there's no subject off limits really and yeah. I think it's the most cathartic thing in the world to sit down open a glass of open a glass you can't Gla open a glass <laughs> open a bottle of wine or you know just a cuppa and just have a good chat with friends they know every single thing about me which is dangerous but I know everything <laughs> about them as well um, and yeah, there's nothing like it. You know, I think we all, that's kind of the people we really rely on, isn't it? It is. You know, family, yes, but to a point, the girls are sacred. They are. Yeah. And Thanks. they would love to be here, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. Oh that my was God, a thank brilliant you. I've thing. had a lovely time. Yeah. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you. It is so refreshing to hear such candour, honesty and genuine enthusiasm and energy from Alex. I have to say, on the day, there was just so much warmth in the room for her and she was every bit as charming and lovely offstage as she was on. And she spent hours chatting to her fans who had come to see her. She really is a true star. I hope you enjoyed the Alex's in conversation. If you want to share your thoughts, visit stylist.co.uk or follow us at Stylist Magazine on social. And don't forget to subscribe to Stylist Live Sessions to hear more of our inspiring live talks from author Bernadine Evaristo, Fern Cotton, music star Self-Esteem, comedian Adam Kay, and many, many more. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>